welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast taking you backstage and behind the scenes with musicians and people from all around the music industry. I am Tiana Speeder and I am the host of Behind the Soundcheck. Thank you so much for joining me today for another killer chat. Now, to recap the last episode of the podcast briefly, I did spend some time with the amazing Monique, aka vocalist and all-round incredible human from Sydney Prog Collective Relic Hub. Armed with the recent release of their brand new EP, I Don't Know What I Am, Mon parted the curtain and gave a pretty awesome peek inside the Relica world, including their incredible recent run with Monolith Festival appearing alongside Carnival, Cog and many others. And we also chatted inspiration, musical layers and some memorable live music moments for good measure. So definitely be sure to grab a listen to that one if you haven't already. Now on to today's episode. For many who like some punk, hardcore and metal mixed into their rock and roll, Northern Rivers Quartet Hammers are likely a band you'll already be familiar with. From their unforgettable music videos and ferocious onstage energy, as well as their trademark amalgamation of Every Time I Die meets He Is Legend meets Alice in Chains in an Outback Aussie pub, Hammers have over the years morphed through some lineup changes and creative sharpening into a modern day rock and roll triumph. Self-identifying as Pubstep, the band wield focus, chaos, passion and frivolity and they continue to remain a unique entity who can spin tales about robbing butchers shops, dancing in their underwear and wearing their hearts on their sleeves without ever sacrificing their sonic roundhouse kick to the face. Releasing their second EP, Kicking Goals, back in the height of the COVID pandemic, way back in August of 2020, on the EP, Hammers once again showcase their grooves, hooks, riffs and salty charms on their follow-up to their debut EP, Home Blokes. But sadly for Kicking Goals, multiple false starts followed the group in their efforts to tour their latest musical baby, mostly due to the ongoing and unexpected longevity of the dreaded pandemic. But as they say, if at first you don't succeed, try again. And that is exactly what Hammers are harnessing in the end of 2022, launching their Try Again tour, kicking off this Friday the 30th of September. They will be touring Kicking Goals with seven shows taking us well into November to finish off the year with a bang. Fresh off appearing at Black and Open Air Festival in July, Hammers are hungrier than ever to get this show on the road and tour Kicking Goals to the masses. But just before the shows kick off this Friday, today Hammers Axeman Lucas Stone, aka Stoney, joins me on Behind the Soundcheck to chat kicking professional goals, the music industry at large, plus we cast the Hammers Hollywood potential biopic, and there's a whole lot more. And just a heads up, you will notice at least twice in this podcast the dulcet sounds of a plane flying overhead, the joys of recording a podcast on the Gold Coast under a flight path, but hopefully it doesn't distract you too much and it reminds us all that airplane travel is alive and well once again. Here we go. Well, I have Stoney from Hammers, aka Lucas Stone. We are here rapidly approaching the tail end of 2022. Some say it's not quite different from the previous years that have come before it, but we are closing out with some epic times and a lot of epic news for Team Hammers. Not only have you guys had a bunch of shows and festival appearances, but you'll also be finally able to tour your 2022 release Kicking Goals for the Try Again Tour. It has been a long time coming, but how does it feel at long last to be able to tour this EP? Yeah, good. Um, it's good to be visiting a fair few places too. We're going to get back down to Tasmania, um, Victoria and Sydney and up here at home. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. The songs have been played a few times. We've obviously had pretty limited shows between when COVID like, kind of started and to here. So, yeah, it's going to be nice to do a proper run. 
Slam them out. Yeah, slam them out. Kick some goals, dare I say. <laughs> we got that out of the way early, so that's good. But let's chat kicking goals itself. I know it dropped early in, you know, the middle of the whole pandemic thing, but since you are finally able to complete the, um, the run with these shows, take me back to the EP. Like, once again, it showcased the kind of larrikin within for Hammers, but there was a lot going on sonically. You got rock, you got metal, you got everything in between. And there was also a lot going on narratively too. I think some of the songs I was not expecting to be taken on the journey that I was, but going into kicking goals, like when that whole thing kind of kicked off again, that's my second kicking reference. Well, no, let's, let's stop. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Can't do any more, but, but tell me like, what was it, you know, coming in post home blokes? Like, did you guys have a pretty clear goal in mind of what you wanted to be? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess I, I did from a songwriter's perspective, um, you know, coming from, what we kind of did with Hunt Blokes and I guess forging forging what we were what we were becoming as a band in general was like sort of it's probably still happening at the moment, you know, like I'm kind of in the middle of doing some stuff for the next one again now and it's and really trying to actualize what it is that we are <clears throat> as a collective and, and the sound that I guess I wanna kind of forge you know from the composition side of it for the band. Yeah, it's there's definitely from home, home blokes to kicking goals, there was a set sort of, you know, um, feeling in mind, I guess, as opposed to an actual sound. I guess while I was putting that stuff together, the sound kind of became what it was. It probably feels, um, it's hard for me because I'm inside it, but from home blokes to kicking goals, it probably feels a fair bit more, um, I guess, less kind of in each direction. Kind mm. of thing. Like it's got a, I don't know, it's just a bit more actualized, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you beat my next question because that was the whole thing. I wanted to see what your perspective was of, you know, sonically how it sits in all of that. And I feel like the sound just got galvanised like from – That's the word. Yeah, like that's I have word. that written so I'm cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-wrote I pre that. But, yeah, it's all off the cuff. It's off the cuff. But I guess too like because so much of the stuff you read, I think people obviously go into stuff and regurgitate press releases or buyers and all of that and the, the whole stone and metal thing still gets thrown around. Like I feel like – there's still some elements of that that you can still hear, but it very much has grown into something completely different. And I guess coming from all of that, like what kind of musical influences are you bringing into Hammers? And do you think that Kicking Goals is a good representation of where Hammers is going to head to next sonically? Yeah, um, I guess with that stone and metal tag, Hammers probably won't ever fully let that go. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a seventies and a Kais baby from from way back, sort of thing. So. All those roots are there, and Fish is in the same boat. Like Fish and I, both the older statesmen of the band, kind of thing. So that's definitely ingrained in us. And I'm, you know, more partial to a big fuzzy stone roof than you know a lot of people, I guess. So it's and also having good. stone in your name, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> lends itself. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think void of influences I suppose in, in ways but also having been around music for this long you're obviously going to you know have things hanging off you that are you know I guess scars in a positive musical sense sort of thing that you have from from you know diving deep into certain bands and sounds that you love um for myself being a songwriter for this many years I don't really write with any um intention or like you know a directive from an influence it's always just coming from the center of me mm. as a person and I've probably been doing it for, for so long now that the you know you're probably not going to get too much variety out of what it is that I'm doing for Hammers, but it's going to be you know what it is with a with an intention that's you know you know an authentic kind of you know directive, I suppose. Mm. 
And well, on, on that yeah. authentic note, like the stories that come out of this EP in particular, I mean, we're going from Krakenite to a very, very um, exotic tale with Sue's and then we've got like people knocking over a butcher shop, shop. Like how much of these are steeped in reality? Because I feel like you can't uh, really make some of that <laughs> shit up. Like it's far too specific to be like fictional. Yeah, well, yeah, that's one of those things. Like Fish is an amazing storyteller um, and the two of us together definitely have like a um, – you know, like a really cool chemistry with with lyrical content and just our, we almost speak the same as people and stuff as I suppose as well. We're, we're like, you know, your traditional sort of Aussie yobos, so that banter and that comedy is like pretty natural for us. Um, those stories that in that song, some are fictitious and some are real, but like, I mean, when I wrote Silly Sausage, that's actually based on a friend that is now deceased, but um, yeah, he had a pretty colourful criminal history and that was actually based around a real robbery um, and I had to just change a couple of details, you know, to, to make it palatable and not incriminate anybody. <laughs> um, the Krakenite stuff, for example, is like, you know, like we based that around, <coughs> Fish and I basically come together on that one, you know, where we sort of wrote a bunch of passages each kind of thing and then slammed it together and, and made what we made out of them. But it's essentially every single kid that grew up in the, you know, if you were born in the 70s or the 80s and, and you, you grew up with that tradition of having... Like my birthday was actually on June the 10th, which was the Queen's birthday weekend. Um, I think it was the June 8th was the Queen's birthday back before. I think they've changed it or something, haven't they now? Oh, I can't keep up. Every time I move states, they're like, you know, Labor Day is in February or December. Who knows? Yeah, so annually, like, we'd have the bonfires and the firecrackers and stuff, and it was kind of like a full tradition. And every family that had that crazy uncle or, you know, even even your own dad sometimes, or older brothers and stuff that, you know, always doing crazy shit with, you know, essentially colourful explosives. Um, that was like a fairly traditional Australian thing. So we yeah. kind of tried to capitalise on that and from a kid's perspective talk about, you know, this, this fictitious character, Uncle Kev, you know, he's, he's real in everybody else's heart but he's essentially, a, you know, yeah. A, a myth. A universal. <laughs> he's like the new Santa. Yeah. <laughs> the real bad Santa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, tell me with the tour as well. I know it's going to take you to a few different places. Like you're kicking off in Tassie, heading back to the Goldie. Then we got Sunbury. It's Sunbury. I feel like people down that way are going to kill me. Is that how we say it? Sunbury. Sunbury yeah, 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 Melbourne, yeah. Brizzy. And then, of course, you're closing out with one of my favourite places in the whole world, Frankie's Pizza, which is obviously yeah. closing down soon, which is terrible. But it's going to be aligned with some mini festivals as well, like in terms of that, obviously you're going to be showing the stages with a lot of different bands. Like what can fans actually expect from a 2022 show to close out to celebrate this EP? Are you going to mix it up from what you've done previously in 2022? Well, the, the, probably the biggest highlight to, to bring up with those shows is that we've got um, almost all of them, I think, are with bands that are on our roster for Beats Cartel, which, yeah, like until I went to Black and Festival, I knew we had these bands with us and stuff. But see, like a bunch of them live outside of Captains are like our, you know, Captains are like our senior brothers. We're basically the same band. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Sandy Mountain was the Death Cult Boys, Astro Death Boys, you know, Black Reno. Obviously, we played a bunch of stuff with those days before. Um, but yeah, man, like that's probably the highlight of this tour. We get to share a bunch of shows with with what are essentially our like you know roster mates, roster mm-hmm. brothers sort of thing. So that'd be the the highlight for it. But also just the energy of kicking back into it and actually playing a string of shows and building that momentum as a band. Like any band will relate to this where it's sort of like, you know, you go through your rehearsal stage, your recording stage, and you, you forge whatever, you know, songs and stuff that you, you have in your arsenal and then you go to play them. And it's always the first couple of shows are always kind of like the warm-up shows. And yeah. then 
it takes those, you know, one, two, three shows before you really start locking into that thing. And that's the stuff I look most forward to. Like when you're in the middle of doing, you know, it might be 10 dates or whatever over, over a month or two. Like you, you don't really start getting can, that connection between the band properly. You know, it's obviously always there, but from a playing perspective and playing live, you, you fucking, you know, you start locking in after one or two shows and that's the stuff I love the most. Yeah. Watch it. So, yeah, that shows that with their mates and, yeah. Yeah, get Definitely. that muscle memory back. And on yeah. that topic, I know, like, you guys have had some false starts with shows and that, which many people have dealt with, but mm. is there anything that you guys are doing to, like, get or stay gig fit other than ruckus rocking up in some leopard print skin <laughs> type pants? <laughs> well, not pants, uh, a jumpsuit, a jumpsuit. <laughs> we just shot it, mate. I think with Hammers, like, which is probably – um, a decent feature in like I've only had I've only been involved in or, or led sort of four four major bands in my life and they've all been built around the best of friendships. Like my first successful band, Scalene, like we were high school buddies that we met at, you know, like met when we were eleven or twelve and you know, it was a classic thing where we just decided let's get guitars and drum kit and fucking be rock stars, you know, and we started doing it then and tried to sort of, you know, live that whole life through that period. And then, you know, the band after that um, tension. It was the same thing where tension was built on on friendships, and one of their members from Scaling actually ended up in tension as well. And that was the same thing where everything's been built around a friendship first kind of thing. So with Hammers, you know, same with Home. Like it was like you know four four tradie buddies, and we we're just connected on a mates level first. I've always tried to maintain that in my bands is like no drama, minimal drama, no fucking fighting. Leave your shit at the door and have the best time possible. So with Hammers, like we're like the peak of that thing. It, I think with Hammers over all the other bands, all those three bands that I mentioned, um, it's a max first band. So our gig fit practice is essentially making sure we hang out. Mm. Um, for unfortunately for Ruckus, he works for for me and with me. Any place in the band with me, we hang out all the time. So we're always around each other. But um, yeah, like we just make sure we hang in. Like that's the most. Like we obviously serious about our music when we're doing it, even though it's got some tongue-in-cheek comedy in there. That's definitely something that we we do put effort into a lot. But without the hangs and without making sure we're not like, kicking it together, having a barbecue, or, <clears throat> or just you know going to see bands together, or having a couple of beers here and there, like that's that's you know that's kind of what we do. Mm. You know, like Ruckus and I, like I've sort of dragged Ruckus into the combat world as well now, so the training stuff can be shared there. So there's a decent amount of camaraderie with that shit. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's kind of how we stay geek fit. Like, mm. We don't put too much of an emphasis on like, you know, like one practice a week's enough for us, and then we might have two or three weeks off if there's not heaps going on. But we make sure we still hang. I think that's where like hammers kind of wins in that yeah. for us. Like it's it's easy for us to do this because we're so close in general. Yeah, and yeah. um, I think that kind of stands into the experiences you've had this year. I know you mentioned Black and earlier, and just how incredible that was, and. I mean, given the fact that also not being able to play live, like most bands are constantly chasing that, you know, right record to a right record to a release. Like it's all that thing that kind of got completely left off the table, whether it was Black and or even the first time you walked back on stage after however, like two, two and a bit years, let's say. <laughs> like what was that moment like? Was there a moment where you were just like, holy shit, this is why I do this, this is why I love this? Like do you still get those moments when you're actually performing and actually get to like not take it for granted? Oh, 100%. Like just to bring up, I mean, to to go back on that little point you made then, like <clears throat> we actually had a, a tour booked in Japan with captives the week that COVID started. We were leaving the week after that and it got cancelled. And we were like, holy fucking, because we'd never seen it before, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So we actually went ahead and booked another national tour, which was, was, which was the specific 
just specifically the first tour that we had organised since we've done kicking goals and it was to release and, and tour that thing. Mm. And we didn't play anything that whole period because every show just got cancelled like one after the other. Um, so it was pretty disappointing. And then when um, Yogi and, and Steve and, and Kate put together that um, the other festival in Brisbane, that was actually the first time we played properly for ages. We had a warm-up festival um, at Moe's as well, which was like just a smaller scale one. That was heaps of fun. But when we played that other festival, that was like, oh, fuck. Like, that was the first little, this is why we do this mm. thing. We can't sort of get down on the fact that everything, because we was you know, like any band in the scene at that time, we're sort of going, what the fuck's going on? Like, mm. Didn't know where to go with it and like what, what was sort of, you know, you start to just not give up but sort of like not take it as, you know, seriously sort of thing. So that was the first memory job. And then it happened again where it got pushed back again and we're like, holy shit, this is like it's a little bit of a nightmare. It's not, not ending. Mm. Obviously so much of the world was suffering way worse but it was still a thing for us as a band and heaps of other bands at the same position. Yeah. But, yeah, Blackham was epic. Yeah. That was the thing that was like, I think in sharing it, like I said, with our roster brothers too, like it was just a really kind of religious experience in a way as a muser, the hangs, the scenery, um, the music in general, mm. being at a festival that kind of reminded you of why festivals started in the first place, like in a saturated climate where we've got so many fucking unnecessary festivals and not enough attention put towards, you know, like, the, the local growth of the music community and, and you know venues just selling out for for shitty reasons and I don't know it's hard man like it's mm. a it's a pretty pretty big thing but definitely that that was like a for me like coming back from Blackham was like a I don't know an inspiring experience to sort of yeah. kick back into it and be have a new sense of vigor. Yeah, and I think it's having those moments because even as a punter, I felt like I was not as excited to go to a gig and then I'm like, oh, wait, you know, you get in that moment, you have that shared experience and whether you're on stage or in the crowd, like just having that mutual meeting point and mm-hmm. having music as the central piece and actually being able to all celebrate it. And I guess looking, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of things you've done this year in the live setting, but tell me, has there been a particular standout moment for you playing with Hammers, whether it's been something that's gone amazingly well or something that's everything's gone to shit or something that is hilarious like is there something that stands out that will make the memoirs one day oh man we've got a few uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like i said before like it's funny like when you think about all the years of touring like i think i've played like i've stopped counting sort of thing now but i, I know i'm around up to the 2000-ish shows in my life and i haven't left the country yet Fuck. So, like, I've been, you know, doing this for a long time, so I've got a lot of stories to, to pull on and crazy shit. But Hammers is definitely, like, been the most sort of lighthearted fun without all the shit. Like, and it's always the memories you the, the memories you remember when you've been doing shit like this for so long is, like, always the stuff that fucked up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which ends up being, <laughs> they're the most fun, though. <laughs> yeah, well, at the time they suck. Yeah. <laughs> but they're always the, the, the ones that yield the biggest laughs, yeah. like, the biggest lulls afterwards. You're like, holy shit, man, remember that time we did this thing, like, Hammers has been pretty, I think maybe because we're a bit older mm. and um, probably playing things a little bit more like, you know, um, more in depth, like we're a little bit smarter about it, but also not as like crazy and we've got to do this thing. Yeah. Like now it's just like we're doing it for fun and we don't care too much about the other stuff like that comes with it and if it comes, it's a bonus. If it doesn't, it doesn't sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah, everything we do is kind of fun. Like, not to be, not to give you a shit answer. No, it's, it's, like, I like it because for most like, people, it's like my pants split or I fell off stage. And, yeah, you know, that all happens as well. Yeah. Like, 
Definitely. Yeah, but it's a rite of passage, I think, too. Like, and like you said, like you you should actually probably reach a point where that might taper off. So I feel like that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. good news for everyone out oh, there. Unless you have avoided fuck ups and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's kind of. I mean, I'm going to be grumpy at something because I'm just old. You know, just had enough of something. Yeah. But it, essentially, like, yeah, everything we do is pretty fun, dude. Yeah, like it's, it's like whether whether we're fucking something up or it's good. That, to be honest with you, that Blackened Festival was. I feel like that's going to be one of those ones. The whole experience for us was was kind of like, yeah, I, even if we end up, you know, like going overseas and stuff as a band, as this band in the next couple of years, like, which is on the cards, we'd like to do that. But um, I think the Black and Thing will always be really special because yeah. it was being Aussie boys and, you know, like we're also in love with Indigenous culture and stuff. As whiteies, like, we're, it's, it's something that we all, you know, attached to pretty heavily. Um that whole experience is like, fuck. Mm. And, and I think it'll take a really good European trip to trump how special that, that thing was and just being able to jump in the van and just like drive through that, you know, that whole part of the country mm. and experience that sort of life and then play a festival, as I said before, that one was pretty special because it kind of reminded us all of, of like the beginning of the things before yep. shit got a bit stupid. Yeah, it's not just churn and burn and, no. you know, you actually get to immerse yourselves in it, which I 100%. think is, yeah, like you said, it's been really lacking. And I guess too, like the fun element of it does stem from so many things and all of you as individuals, but like musically for yourself, like what I know there's a lot of sounds like people love to throw like for fans of or this band sounds like this just because, you know, people can't actually make up their own minds sometimes yeah. about what a band yeah. sounds like. But for you personally, like what kind of artists – and bands did you actually grow up that may have influenced who you are as a musician now? I mean, obviously you've got Every Time I Die kicking around the some of the Bronx. Like yeah, what yeah, were the key yeah. ones that kind of led to who you are currently? Oh, there's... How much time like, do we have? Because <laughs> I'm 178 years old. I guess to break it down as simply as possible, for me, because I've been writing since I was 12, 13, playing in professional bands since I was sort of 15, 16, 17, and then getting to here now and still actually doing it, which is probably the biggest part of it. Like um, my musical growth has happened in stages. So there's obviously been pivotal bands that represent each stage of my growth to get to where I am. And also the different bands that I've – like this. if you take Scaling Intention, Helm and Hammers, although there's more signature writing sound in there, each band is almost totally different. Mm. It's funny because my first band, Scaling, is most like Hammers. Yeah, m- right. Musically. Whereas Tension was like an extreme kind of math metal meets alternative, sort of heavy alternative sound. And then Helm was that post-rock, you know, deep, dark, brooding sort of, drawing out sort of Pink Floyd meets Cold of Luna type shit. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, if I quickly skate over the, the eras, it's like in the beginning, Maiden, Slayer, um, and then obviously all the stuff my mum, like, <laughs> like used to play in the house, like Sex Pistols, um, The Clash, Fucking all the like, the beautiful sort of things like Carol King and Fleetwood Mac, and then you've got your Steely Dan's and Supertramp and stuff like that. All those bands are really pivotal um, in my early life. And then as I became my own sort of person, um, finding my own music as a teenager and stuff, like it went from the Maidens and the Slayers into like Soundgarden. I was a Soundgarden baby. I was an Alice in Chains baby. You know, I was that classic like Kais baby, Helmet all those early bands then and then moving into the next phase it was kind of like I mean that era that I just skated over my <laughs> mother there's so many bands I can't even <laughs> go down that list it's, it's stupid and the next phase was kind of like 
I, like I was obviously, I fell in love with the Def, with Deftones from the start, from Adrenaline into around the fur. That was like, you know, pretty pivotal time. But I wasn't a massive, although I respected them, all the bands like Corn, Fruity, yeah, fringe bands like Spineshake and, and Static X and all those sort of bands. I wasn't a massive fan of, but I still respected the fact that like Corn had a, had a pivotal impact on the, the sound of music in general by bringing in, you know, the, the seven string, low tune guitars and that kind of you know, discordant sort of approach to, to pop meets heavy music sort of mm. thing. Um, but all of the bands that sat underneath the surface of that era were actually the best metal bands of all time. And I'll rattle those off because they fucking, hit, they, they like crushed my brain like something shopping. Hit me. Botch, Deliver Escape Plan, Meshuggah, Candiria, Coalesce, Poison the Well, um, Converge. Fuck, I love Converge so much. Like all of those bands of that era that were like, you know, even going into like Iron Dissonance and, and bands like that where it's kind of, Man, I believe that that's probably the peak of metal so far, that era. And Meshuggah is still standing the test of time. Converge is still standing the test of time. Um, I think for another 20 years, Meshuggah will be regarded as, regarded as the greatest heavy metal band since Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. period. And that's like, I'm sorry, Maiden. I'm sorry, Slayer. I'm sorry, Metallica. I don't think they'd be but, mad. But, like, I nah, don't think well, they would be. <laughs> I don't think many bands have made such a dramatic change and spawned so many subgenres since Black Sabbath as with Sugar. Mm. So that's where I kind of rate them, in that, even though there's all, you know, obviously refused and so many other, you know, crazy bands that are in a different world that spawn a similar thing. I think with mm. Sugar have made a massive quake yeah. through the music world. And then it's the modern stuff, yeah, every time I die, he's Legend of the Bronx. Fuck, like this is so yeah. good music it's true, it's true. We need to, like, do a separate one and just, like, go through <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a bad question to ask me. No, it's great. It's great. And I guess on that note, too, I mean, coming into this band, like, do you guys all have very similar tastes in music? Like, when you're on the road, who's hogging the auxiliary cord? What songs are playing? What bands are playing? Is there anything unexpected? Like, are we getting a bit of, like, cheesy pop happening? Like, what goes on behind closed hammer doors? <laughs> Man, we're all so, like, we're... We all love and meet each other in the middle on just about everything. Like there's there's stuff that some of us will love and others will hate, but it's pretty rare. Like um, Fish and I have some interesting like crossovers where stuff we both just, you know, meet right in the middle. Other stuff is like, no, I'm not listening to that shit and he's the same with me sort of thing. Um, but we listen to everything like literally. And like, I, I, we all love pop music. We all love heavy music. Like we all love everything in between. No one really hogs the auxiliary cord, but... We don't think, oh no, we, we sound so gay, man. We're like, this Larry. We're it's just like, best mates. <laughs> it's <laughs> Larry can it's awesome, though. It's, it reflects yeah. exactly what your music is, though. And of course, yeah. I can't not bring up that I have spied Cardi B making the rounds with your walk on track. That's all I will take for responsibility for that bullshit. <laughs> I, I fucking love Cardi B. And I, I like, that's some of my favourite. Like, if you look at Band Hammers as a band, there's these Aussie yobos that sing about the dumbest shit <laughs> and play heavy riffs. For me to put on like a Cardi B track before we come, it's a fucking vibe. Like, well, and you look at when, and when you <laughs> played at the other festival, like you know, you're in the you're in a room with people that are potentially going to be too cool for school. I've never seen a room fill up so quickly as when that freaking song came on. Like yeah, the whole room just and everyone knew it. So I mean, there's something to be said for that. Like clearly, the heavy yeah. community jams with Cardi B. Yeah, I'm into it. it. It's funny because Hammer's um Hammer's like you know fan base is primarily ugly dudes. You know what I mean? So. When you see a bunch of ugly dudes with sports work in the county, but it's pretty good. Huh? What's not to love? I think there should be more of that. 100%. Well, I think you brought it up too, like you were talking about the whole like festivals and how there's like an oversaturation of bits and bobs. Like I don't want to go into it in like too much doom and gloom and get really preachy, but like what's your take now that we've come, quote unquote, come out of this pandemic and we're going into 
some sort of normal. I hate that word, but that's what it is. But what's your take on like the Aussie music scene at the moment? Like you're about to go on a tour. You've always got these bandmates. You've got all these people that you've come along with. Like, do you feel like we're in a place that's healthy and is supportive and that is going to allow artists to flourish that, you know, aren't just the same old, same old that's constantly getting the rounds? Yeah. Um, probably unfortunately for, for this, this situation, there's not much positive that comes out of me regarding this. Um, I am definitely by nature quite nihilistic um, as a person as much as I like to have fun and a joke. Um, the music community has changed so much and more to the point the human condition has changed so much that things like art and music and, and the, the natural stuff that we've created as a species or is given to us as a species, you know, whichever way you like to look at it, um, that are like the breaks away from the norm and the breaks away from the grind, like music. People have just forgotten how to fully value those treasures. Like you've got to make the effort to connect yourself to go onto a show. You've got to make the effort to connect yourself to to like invest in a, in an album, not just a fucking song or a playlist. Like and this is something that we've discussed before. Like you know these these things that humans are taking for granted so heavily. Again, it could be my age speaking, but I really urge anyone that hears this that is like you know a bit younger or likes music and seems to perceive it a certain way or likes art and perceives it a certain way, really really try to embrace some of that. I love seeing the vinyl culture come back and, mm. and definitely like as much as it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to be the, a vicious old gatekeeper like, you know, like pushing it out, but seeing Maiden and Metallica and Slayer shirts sold at Kmart and stuff, it's like, and kids buying, whatever, like it doesn't fucking matter as long as they're wearing cool shit mm. and it's stuff that, you know, it goes back to that era where we used to tape trade and we used to do all those things like before the internet even existed. It was such a special time. Mm. And the mysticism that sat behind you, your favourite rock star was like untouchable, yeah. you know, like, which was kind of some of the shit we've lost now. We just don't really have that. But when I when I say that, I really do say it in a way, it's like I feel like it's only ever up to the effort that you make mm. as a punter. So if, if, there's a, if there's a punter that's appreciating music or, or taking things in um, in this period, like – the music community is still there. The music community is still going to try and help itself out. We've had a pretty weird couple of years and a lot of people that I love and know have lost their jobs and lost their careers because of, you know, the, the change and, and then the, the, um, the capitalisation from certain um, corners of the industry on these shitty times. Yeah. Um, it's taken away a lot of the power with, with you know, the, the did lie or security that, that sort of did lie in those people's hands as either a career or, or just the, as a supporter of the music industry in general. But I sort of say, with like, yeah, like a positivity where it's like, I don't know, if you're a lover of music and you want to see it stay around, when you see that gig advertised, fucking go. Yeah. Don't just look at it and talk about it and think about it and not go. Like, go. It takes nothing. By the time you get there, you're having a ball when you're doing it. You know, if, if, if you're there and you see a shirt that you like, like, know that you, when you get there, the band's probably going to have some merch and they might need some support. So do that too. Take an extra 40 bucks. Grab a fucking shirt. Like, yeah. it's not hard to do. You know, the amount of money we waste on stupid shit um, and, and how much we all talk, like, when the COVID thing happens, yes. everyone's waffling on about, oh, fuck, I can't wait till it comes back. I'm going to have every show. No, it's changed. <laughs> and the top of the yeah. before, and that fucking talk shit. Yeah. Like, it's that simple. You know, I don't know. It's, to ask a jaded old prick like me, it's probably, like, I'll get real harsh with this shit eventually, but it could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, there's, there's definitely areas that we can all work on together to, to keep it going. You know? But that's the thing, and I think the conversation is important to keep having. But like you said, like in a way, you know, the whole vinyl thing's coming back. Like I even spoke to a band recently, and this guy d- did an album. Like I'm not saying Hammers is going to go and do this, but he literally plotted 
his songs on a graph and he mm. like did, you know, brightness versus this because he wanted the whole album to feel balanced. And I said to him, what happens, I mean, this is something awful to say to a musician, but what happens if someone doesn't listen to you, to it how you want them to in order? He's like, I don't care because I know it's balanced. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is you kind of, there's a bit of hope still that people are coming back to it. Like I feel like now that the whole streaming thing, the novelty's worn off a little bit, like yeah. we're all starting to come back to it. So I don't know, he's hoping and people are buying vinyls without having players. So 100%. we're still, we're getting a weird balance of stuff, but I guess it makes for interesting problem solving, if nothing else. Well, I think if you look at it like this, like the truth always, you know, finds its way to the top kind of mm. thing. And I think, we are obviously in a time where, you know, there's there's a bunch of issues environmentally and, and socially that, that are kind of governing a bunch of the stuff that, that we all look at as like, oh, where's that fun going on or yeah. whatever else. So there's, there's, there's a whole, like I guess this is a whole other sort of podcast or topic to tackle. But, um, yeah, like as a writer of concept albums, I fully feel what you're saying with that. Who's your, who was it? Um, from the Wonder Years. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's that's a thing. Like if I write a record one, it's like I want you to listen to it from yeah. start to finish. And you know, like, you know, no one's ever, like, except for people like me, like most people are just going to go, oh, that's my favourite song. Probably won't even hear the rest of the record. Mm. It's kind of unfortunate, but I still feel like as things change, like I think at the moment where we're heading for musicians is it's actually getting that bad um, that, it's like this, uh, again, trying to be as quick as possible, but like the industry in general as a music industry, whether you're in management, you're, you run a label, you're an agency, whatever it is, without the musicians having sustainable income and being secure in their business, you have nothing. Mm. Um, to see a, a, a major spate or, or a spike and an increase in, in this promoter culture where we have promoters pilfering fucking money off bands that they shouldn't be doing at all, um, and to, to the tune of percentages where it's like the band doesn't even get a choice anymore. It's like, okay, this is the guarantee. This is, and you know how much the show's yielding. You know how much the festival's yielding. Like, let's not pretend this is not fucking happening. Yeah. You know? If you've got an issue, come and speak to me about it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think where we're heading, it's going to get to a point where eventually musicians are, like Hammers as a band, we have careers outside of this, so we can fund it. What happens to the kid that was like us 25 years ago? And just knows nothing else is like literally on fucking like, you know, suicide's door because all they want to do is play music. I remember feeling that way. Yeah. Like it's a thing that I've, and I, and I still hold it, but I'm just, I've worked towards a thing now. So it's, it's changed for me. But what about that stuff? What about that part of the culture where it's like, you know, I know what I want to do. I can, yeah. I can write this music for people. What happens to that? Like, so I feel like we're probably heading towards a bit of a, I guess is it a revolution or? Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. Like it's, and like, yeah. In hopefully the, that you can see that. The shift. That's the value come back a little yeah. bit to the band so that we can actually fund the industry that we're in. Mm, definitely, which yeah. is the whole point of it when you really boil down. I always say, like, without the people on stage or behind the recordings, mm. we don't have an industry. So, yeah, well, if you look at it, I'll, I'll break it into the simple things. It's like we make music, we should be paid for music. Mm-hmm. We're not paid for music anymore. It's that simple. Yeah. We just don't. Like, whatever we are paid is, is not to the tune of what we should be. It's the most expensive and grueling part of it. You spend your lifetime breaking yourself to become a, become a composer. People just think you're talented or whatever, but you work hard or you sacrifice or you suffer trauma to come up with the content to write music. Mm. Then you pay for it. You put in all the hours to do it. People, for some reason, think we should redeem that that expense through touring and merch. <laughs> no. The money from touring and merch comes is there for touring and fucking merch. Yep. Merch doesn't get given to us. We print it. We come up with it and we pay for the items that we expect to make money back plus the profit it takes to do it and actually enjoy something. The touring is the same. 
It costs mm. money to buy plane tickets. It costs money to buy instruments and maintain them. It costs money for accommodation. It costs money for travel. That's what pays for that. And, and your very sexy wardrobes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> We're flat out wearing clothes. So, yeah, when it comes to the music, I think that's the issue, the biggest one that needs to be addressed and hopefully there's like a, a, a regulating or governing body formed yeah. by someone in parliament somewhere that can protect and bring money back to musicians themselves as opposed to CEOs of streaming, streaming companies and all the bullshit that surrounds that. That's, yeah. that's probably, the, again, for another podcast. Yeah, but, but I think it's it's issue. good to keep having the discussion with it all too. And, I mean, the fact that people are still persevering and going ahead, I mean, you guys are a great example of that. You've, you know, put up with whatever hurdles have come and you're still kicking goals. That's a third. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a tri- that's a hat trick. I should be kicked out of my own podcast. <laughs> but um, speaking, like, I know that your focus is going to be on this tour, obviously, and finishing out 2022. But, like, beyond that, what is kind of not on the bucket list but what's on the – you know, horizon for Hammers, like what are you guys planning to do into the new year? Is there new music or are you going to just like look to continue more touring international? Like what do you want to kind of achieve as a band in the next little bit? Um, well, again, not to sound corny, but first and foremost, to just keep enjoying what we're doing. Like, it's very important. Yeah, keep keep finding the reasons through, through the bullshit that we've talked about to, to just do it, you know, lightheartedly and have fun while we're doing that. Mm. Um, uh, Rick and I are sort of like, trying to put together some stuff where we can redirect um, some focus for the economy side of the band until we actually start getting paid for the music that we like. Um, We have to think laterally and and try and come up with means to to create a a business that's, you know, kind of supporting itself as we're moving along. So we're working on that at the moment. Probably going to go down the road of really capitalising on on having having a bunch of Hammers merch that's, you know, fun and interactive for the fans. Um, keep playing cool shows in our own country and we really would like to get overseas and tour with some of the before we get too old to do it you know some of the bands that we love you know that are still playing as well like you know the ones we mentioned before He's Legend and E.T. would have been great but unfortunately yeah. that's a sad story at the moment <laughs> but yeah a bunch of those bands that'll be sick to do stuff and other bands like us that we don't even know that yeah. you know, keen to reach out and just find some new talent in, in other places in the world and, and swap shows and swap territories and fucking have a crack and Basically keep doing it until we can't. Yeah. You know? That's the best mention to have. Now, I know we've touched on some of the more serious ones, so to close us out, I'm going to close out with two a little bit more fun ones. So yeah. hypothetically, they're going to make a Hammers biopic in Hollywood. <laughs> who are we casting for each band member in Hammers? Oh, so man. who's going to play Stoney? Who's going to play Ricky T? Who's going to play Ruckus? And who's going to play Fish? Oh, this is hectic. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to hear this, I hope. I'll clip I, it I, out I, for I them. This one. Okay, so I feel like... Even though it's a Hollywood biopic, I feel like Maddie Johns needs to play fish. I love this. Okay, let's, we'll open it up. Like, yeah, he can go to Hollywood. Maddie Johns can go to Hollywood. Uh, Do we call it Maddie Johns goes to Hollywood? No. This is hard. You can take your time. I can oh. cut out any pauses if you want. Oh, no. This is, this is, <laughs> thanks. That's great. Um, oh, man. Ruck is like, if we could somehow um, bring Agro from Cardin Jackson back, I think. I think <laughs> Ruckus needs to be, uh, Agro needs to play Ruckus for sure. I love this. Or Animal from the Muppets, which, ooh, which would work. Ooh, that's what, okay, that tracks. Yeah, yeah that tracks. Oh, um, okay, I love this. I'm me, seeing the poster already. Me and Ricky T. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. This is interesting. Mm, I'd like Dennis Rodman to play me. That would be great. Yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> that, 
And yep. I feel like if we could bring Chopper and Reed back from, from, from the break, I think that should be Ricky too. Oh my god, <laughs> what I what a combo. <laughs> like, not Eric Banner, the real Chopper. Yeah, like actually <laughs> Chopper. Yeah, this uh, this is awesome. You did really well. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with his criminal history. No, no. It's about the you know the safest bike on earth. I love this. Well we'll get that cracking. We'll do yeah, a yeah. casting call and we'll see if we can get Manny Johns over there with everyone else <laughs> and get animals puppet, muppet out. Um and yeah. lastly, since you are about to embark on a tour that's gonna celebrate kicking goals, obviously one of the songs on it is called guilty pleasures to close us out what is a guilty pleasure for you that you're willing to share publicly oh gee whiz oh a guilty pleasure so <laughs> yeah my, like my life's been full of guilty pleasures <laughs> and these days i'll try not to steer down that road anymore i think this gets to this day to my life yeah i was gonna say it could be a sweet <laughs> treat if yeah. you <laughs> Like things like Venetians, the old man biscuits like Kingston's and Venetians and shit like that. I wouldn't want a couple of those. But I love combat sports and I think as much as that's not really much of a pleasure for me, yeah, that training and all that stuff is where I'll, that's where my life is. So mm. that, yeah, I guess it's not really a guilty pleasure, is it? Combat and cookies. It's combat perfect. Cookies, it's the perfect combination. Well, thank you for sharing your little inner, inner secrets there. But thank you for the chat. Hammers will be bringing Hammer Time to a town near you for their try again tour, officially kicking off on Friday, September 30 in Tasmania. And tickets are on sale right now. Thank you, Lucas, for joining me. Thank you, Tiana. It was good. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Behind the Soundcheck. A massive thank you to Lucas and the Hammers team for making today's episode possible. If you are in Tasmania this weekend, be sure to catch the guys and a heap of other awesome bands. They will be in town near you this weekend. And the boys will also, of course, be ready to tear the Goldie, Sunbury, Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney a new one well into November. Hammers armed with their latest EP, Kicking Goals. These shows will definitely be nice to remember. Grab a tinny, get ready to get sweaty with Team Hammers for their Try Again tour. For more info, you can head to this episode's show notes. As always, Behind the Soundcheck's theme song is courtesy of Brisbane legends Osaka Punch. The track you are hearing is called Hall of Shame. And you can check out more Osaka Punch fun over at osakapunchofficial.com. A massive shout out has to go to the incredible Luke Palmer who edited this episode and saved me from some technological grief. And don't forget, there's 14 other episodes of Behind the Soundcheck you can grab a listen to out in the world right now, 15 including today. If you are digging what you're hearing, you can grab a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the usual podcast suspects. You know how to podcast. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. Get on it. Grab a listen if you like it. And more importantly, get out there and show your favorite bands and artists some love. Buy a shirt, get to a show, send them a love letter on Instagram. Literally anything and everything is genuinely what helps keep this crazy industry alive. But for now, that is it from me. Have an awesome rest of your day, whatever it is you're up to. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time for more Behind the Soundcheck. Check.